you are now tuned into World War II Stories. I'm your host, Steve Matthews, and I'm here to take you on a journey through the whirlwind of historical events that shaped our world and defined generations. Stay tuned every Tuesday and Thursday as we delve into the riveting, inspiring, and sometimes tragic stories from World War II. We'll meet the brave men and women who stood up to tyranny, we'll explore clandestine operations and daring escapes, and we'll pay tribute to the resilience of the human spirit in times of extreme adversity. Also, be sure to check out our other podcast focusing on World War I, the conflict that set the stage for the global turmoil that followed. Use the link in the description below. It was May 1941. The world was in the throes of the Second World War, a conflict of unparalleled scale, magnitude, and complexity. While fierce battles raged on multiple fronts, another front, less publicized but equally crucial, was unfolding on the world's oceans. The North Atlantic, in particular, was the stage of a grand strategic ballet where the British and German navies danced the dance of death. The North Atlantic was a lifeline for Britain bringing vital supplies from the United States and elsewhere. This lifeline was under threat from the German Navy, or Kriegsmarine, which aimed to sever it, starving Britain into submission. The German plan involved deploying heavily armed battleships as commerce raiders, and two such dreadnoughts of the Reich, the battleship Bismarck and the heavy cruiser Prinz Eugen, were setting sail for the Atlantic. Opposing them was the British home fleet proud defenders of Britain's maritime lifeline. Among them, the battlecruiser HMS Hood, a symbol of British naval might and pride, and the newly commissioned battleship HMS Prince of Wales, an embodiment of modern naval design. The stage was set for a high-sea showdown that would test the mettle of both these forces. This encounter, which would come to be known as the Battle of the Denmark Strait, would forever remain etched in the annals of naval warfare. This is the story of that fateful confrontation, of mighty ships and even mightier men, of strategies and tactics, of courage and sacrifice, of victory and defeat. As we delve into this epic tale, we shall also explore the events leading up to the battle, the seminal events during the battle, the reasons behind the outcome, its impact on World War II, and the legacy it left behind. Prepare to embark on a journey through time, to an era when steel giants clashed amidst the thunder of cannons and the fury of the seas. Chapter 1. The Pawns Take Position In the year 1941, the world was embroiled in a global conflict the likes of which it had never seen before. Nations, from the far reaches of the east to the western expanse, were locked in a struggle for power. Yet, our story starts away from the land in the vast expanse of the cold North Atlantic. This massive body of water, at once beautiful and treacherous, was a crucial lifeline for Britain, then standing as a bulwark against the Nazi onslaught. Across the Channel, German High Command had realized the strategic significance of the Atlantic. At the helm of this operation was Grand Admiral Erich Redder, an astute strategist and a veteran of the First World War. Redder, well aware of the British reliance on transatlantic convoys for supplies and reinforcements, envisioned a plan to throttle this lifeline. His strategy was audacious, he aimed to deploy battleships as commerce raiders. They were to disrupt and destroy the convoys, 
cutting off Britain's lifeline and forcing them to their knees. Among the chess pieces Redder moved on the maritime chessboard were the mighty battleship Bismarck and the heavy cruiser Prinz Eugen. Bismarck, named after Otto von Bismarck, the founder of the German Empire, was the pride of the Kriegsmarine. It was not just a ship, but a symbol of German naval prowess, a floating fortress bristling with guns, a behemoth that could outrun any ship that it could not outfight. However, standing guard over the Atlantic was the British Royal Navy, led by Admiral Sir Dudley Pound. Pound, a serious-minded man with a keen strategic intellect, had been monitoring the German naval activities with growing concern. He knew that the British Isles, an island nation, relied heavily on the open sea lanes for survival, especially in the throes of a global war. And the presence of Bismarck and Prince Eugen in the Atlantic was a threat he couldn't afford to ignore. As these formidable forces took their positions, the world held its breath. The Atlantic became a theater of a high-stakes game of cat and mouse, with each side attempting to predict and counter the other's moves. The stage was set for a clash of titans, a battle that would test the mettle of the men and the machines, shaping the course of the war and the annals of naval history. It was here, amidst the icy waters of the North Atlantic, that the Battle of the Denmark Strait would unfold, a chapter of World War II that is as tragic as it is thrilling. From the bustling harbor of Scapa Flow, two formidable silhouettes emerged against the twilight sky. They were the HMS Hood, a seasoned veteran of the sea, and the HMS Prince of Wales, a newcomer, fresh from the dockyards, and brimming with the latest in naval technology. Each vessel carried the weight of expectation, not just of the men aboard, but of a nation locked in a brutal struggle for survival. HMS Hood was an embodiment of British maritime tradition, a 45,000-ton battlecruiser, majestic and formidable. Known affectionately as the Mighty Hood, she had sailed the world's oceans for two decades and was seen as an icon of Britain's naval dominance. At her helm was Vice Admiral Lancelot Holland, a man known for his stoic calm and strategic acumen. A veteran of the First World War, he carried with him the weight of expectation, the responsibility to protect the vital North Atlantic sea routes from the lurking threat of the German battleships. In stark contrast to the seasoned hood was the HMS Prince of Wales, the newest addition to the Royal Navy's roster. She was a marvel of modern naval engineering, armed with 10 14-inch guns and state-of-the-art fire control systems. But beneath the fresh paint and gleaming machinery, there were issues. The Prince of Wales had been rushed into service, and her crew were yet to familiarize themselves with their vessel. Their commander, Captain John Leach, was well aware of these shortcomings but was determined to stand against the German threat. As both ships cut through the cold, churning waters of the North Atlantic, the men aboard were unaware of the destiny that lay ahead. There was an air of tension mixed with resolve. They were sailing towards an impending encounter that would put them to the ultimate test, pitting their courage, resolve, and skill against the full might of the German Navy. The crews trained incessantly, honing their skills, refining their reactions, for they knew that every second would count in the battle to come. Their voyage was more than a simple crossing of the ocean, it was a journey towards destiny. 
A date with history awaited these ships and the men aboard them. Their courage and sacrifice in the face of unimaginable odds would come to define the Battle of the Denmark Strait, a pivotal moment in the history of World War II and naval warfare. Across the churning waters of the North Atlantic, another pair of giants were making their way towards their own destiny. The formidable German battleship Bismarck and her companion, the heavy cruiser Prinz Eugen, were on a mission from the highest echelons of the German command. Their orders, disrupt and destroy the British supply convoys in the North Atlantic. At the helm of the Bismarck was Captain Ernst Lindemann, a seasoned naval officer with a reputation for discipline and exactitude. Tall, stern, and exacting, Lindemann ran the Bismarck like a well-oiled machine. The crew, a mix of hardened veterans and eager new recruits, respected him and the gravity of their mission. The Bismarck was an awe-inspiring sight. Her dark silhouette towered over the sea, and her decks bristled with guns of varying sizes. Her main armament was her eight 15-inch guns, capable of hurling shells over long distances with deadly precision. Beneath her steel skin, the Bismarck hid even more formidable assets a near-impenetrable armor belt and technologically advanced fire control systems that made her a floating fortress, ready for the battles to come. Sailing alongside the Bismarck was the Prince Eugen, under the command of Captain Helmuth Brinkman, an officer of sharp intellect and indomitable spirit. The Prince Eugen was a heavy cruiser, sleek and fast. Her mission was to accompany the Bismarck, adding her firepower to the formidable battleship and guarding against any threats that might slip past the larger ship's defenses. The journey of these ships was shrouded in secrecy slipping away from the Baltic under the cover of darkness and weaving a course through the treacherous ice fields of the Denmark Strait. There was an air of quiet determination aboard both vessels. Every man knew the stakes. Their mission was critical to the German strategy in the North Atlantic, and the element of surprise was their greatest ally. The Bismarck and Prinz Eugen, the dreadnoughts of the Reich, sailed steadily towards their objective. Unbeknownst to them, their course would soon intersect with that of the British ships, setting the stage for a confrontation that would echo through the annals of naval warfare and etch their names into history forever. The Battle of the Denmark Strait awaited them, a clash of steel and willpower that would shape the fate of the North Atlantic. Chapter 2 The Fog of War On the vast, liquid chessboard of the Atlantic, the strategic game between the British and German navies was intensifying. Each side, led by astute leaders and commanders, was trying to outmaneuver the other. Every decision, every move, and every countermove held the potential to tilt the balance of power and, with it, the tide of the war. Leading the British strategy was Admiral Sir Dudley Pound, the first sea lord. Pound understood that the British Isles' survival relied on maintaining the flow of supplies across the Atlantic. This meant keeping the sea lanes open and free of German raiders. Pound had to anticipate and counter the moves of the German Navy, a task as challenging as it was critical. His strategy involved using intelligence to track the German vessels and deploying the Royal Navy's assets to intercept and engage them. One such asset was the battle group comprising the HMS Hood and the HMS Prince of Wales. Vice Admiral Lancelot Holland, commanding this force, 
had clear orders. He was to find and engage the Bismarck and Prince Eugen before they could pose a threat to the vital convoys. Holland knew the task wouldn't be easy. The German ships were formidable opponents, and he had to use his resources wisely to neutralize them. On the other side of the chessboard was Grand Admiral Eric Redder, the head of the Kriegsmarine. He had a clear understanding of the game at hand. The German Navy, although powerful, was outnumbered by the Royal Navy. Redder's strategy was to utilize his ship's superior firepower and speed to break through the British defenses. He intended to disperse his forces, sending his ships in different directions to confuse the British and divide their forces. Redder's strategy was brought to life by Captain Ernst Lindemann of the Bismarck and Captain Helmuth Brinkman of the Prince Eugen. Their task was to slip through the British defenses, remain undetected for as long as possible, and then unleash their firepower on the unsuspecting convoys. Both captains, confident in their ships and crews, set out to carry out their orders to the letter. As these strategies unfolded on the Atlantic chessboard, the stakes were higher than ever. Each decision, each move could change the course of the battle, and with it, the course of the war. The North Atlantic had become a battleground of intellect and strategy, where the victor would hold the key to controlling the vital sea lanes. The game was on, and the Battle of the Denmark Strait was about to begin. Even as the dreadnoughts of the Reich and Britain's stalwart defenders coursed through the Atlantic, another element came into play, often overlooked but nonetheless crucial aerial reconnaissance. The sky above the vast, cold expanse of the North Atlantic bore silent witnesses to the unfolding strategies below. They were the unsung heroes of the conflict, providing the eyes that would guide the naval chess pieces. From the British perspective, aerial reconnaissance was of utmost importance. The RAF Coastal Command, under the capable leadership of Air Chief Marshal Sir Frederick Bowhill, played a pivotal role in tracking the movements of the German vessels. Using bases in Scotland and Iceland, aircraft such as the resilient Lockheed Hudsons would take off at dawn, flying long, grueling sorties over the relentless Atlantic, their crews straining to spot the telltale wake of a ship or the ominous silhouette of a battleship. Each successful sighting was a small triumph. Air crews would relay the coordinates back to the Admiralty in London, where analysts would cross-check them with other intelligence reports. From these fragments of information, the Admiralty would construct a picture of the enemy's movements and make strategic decisions. Meanwhile, the Germans, not to be outdone, had their own aerial reconnaissance assets. Focke-Wulf FW-200 Condors, operating from bases in Norway and France, scanned the sea for signs of British vessels. Their goal was to provide early warning to the Bismarck and Prince Eugen and to report the position of any British forces that could pose a threat. Under the careful guidance of Luftwaffe Chief Hermann Göring, these aerial operations aimed to protect the German vessels and keep them a step ahead of the British. These reconnaissance efforts were not without danger. The aircraft were often unarmed and vulnerable to enemy fighters. Weather conditions over the North Atlantic were treacherous, making each mission a battle against the elements as much as the enemy. But the men who flew these missions understood their importance. They were the eyes of the fleet, 
their reports serving as the basis for strategies and counter-strategies that would decide the outcome of the imminent clash. As the Bismarck, Prince Eugen, Hood, and Prince of Wales maneuvered in the cold waters below, these aerial shadows played their part in the unfolding drama. Their tireless work added another layer of tension and complexity to the battle, shaping the course of the events that led to the fateful encounter in the Denmark Strait. The stage for the impending confrontation, the Denmark Strait, was a battleground as challenging as the enemies that the British and Germans sought to engage. This stretch of water, nestled between the icy cliffs of Greenland and the barren shores of Iceland, was notorious among sailors. It was a sea of contradictions, eerily beautiful but also treacherously unpredictable. Navigating the Denmark Strait was akin to a high-stakes game of roulette. The conditions could change in an instant, veiling the vast expanse in a shroud of fog or whipping the sea into a frenzied storm. Icebergs, some as large as the battleships themselves, floated eerily through the waters, posing a tangible threat to the massive vessels. For Vice Admiral Lancelot Holland aboard the Hood and Captain John Leach on the Prince of Wales, the Strait was a formidable opponent. They understood that their success wouldn't just depend on outgunning the German ships but also on mastering the capricious elements of this harsh seascape. Every maneuver had to account for the swirling currents, the sudden appearance of ice, and the ever-changing visibility. Meanwhile, the German commanders, Captain Ernst Lindemann and Captain Helmuth Brinkmann, faced similar challenges. They had to thread their formidable ships through this treacherous passage, maintaining a course that would give them a strategic advantage while avoiding the natural hazards of the strait. Adding to the challenges were the long hours of twilight that cloaked the strait. The phenomenon, known as the midnight sun, resulted in extended periods of semi-darkness, which could either aid a stealthy advance or hinder accurate targeting. It was another variable in the equation, another layer of complexity in the strategic considerations of both sides. As the four ships entered the Denmark Strait, they were acutely aware of the difficulties it posed. The daunting landscape, the unpredictable weather, and the dangerous ice all contributed to the tension, adding to the anticipation of the battle to come. The Denmark Strait, with its formidable challenges, was more than just a backdrop to the conflict. It was an active participant, its treacherous conditions becoming a defining factor in the unfolding battle of the Denmark Strait. Chapter 3 Clash of Titans Dawn on May 24, 1941, was breaking with an eerie calm over the Denmark Strait. The British task force led by Vice Admiral Lancelot Holland aboard the HMS Hood, accompanied by Captain John Leach and the Prince of Wales, had been steaming through the chilly waters for hours. They were under orders to intercept and engage the Bismarck and Prince Eugen before they could reach the open Atlantic. The sea was a mirror of steel gray, reflecting the bleak sky. The crews on both British ships were on high alert, eyes straining through the mist for any sign of the German ships. The air was tense, heavy with the expectation of the impending confrontation. Suddenly, just after 5.30 in the morning, there was a flurry of activity. The lookouts aboard the Prince of Wales spotted the ominous silhouettes of two ships on the horizon. They were still distant, mere shadows against the dim light of the dawn, 
but there was no mistaking them, the Bismarck and Prinzugen had been sighted. Vice Admiral Holland wasted no time. He ordered his ships to action stations. Men scrambled to their posts, the ship's guns were readied, and the engine rooms stoked to full power. The Hood and the Prince of Wales steered towards the Germans, ready to engage. As the distance closed, the profile of the German ships became clearer, and the enormity of the challenge they faced became apparent. On board the German ships, the response was equally swift. Captain Lindemann, upon receiving the report of the British sighting, ordered battle stations. The crews of the Bismarck and Prince Eugen raced to their guns, and the engine rooms hummed with activity as the ships prepared for combat. Then, with a deafening roar, the first shots of the Battle of the Denmark Strait were fired. The British opened the engagement, their powerful guns sending a salvo towards the German ships. The shells whistled through the air, leaving trails of smoke against the pale sky, before splashing into the sea around the Bismarck and Prince Eugen. The battle had begun, and the waters of the Denmark Strait were about to witness a clash of titans that would go down in the annals of naval history. As the opening salvos echoed across the Denmark Strait, the HMS Hood, the pride of the Royal Navy, bore down on the Bismarck and Prince Eugen. Vice Admiral Holland, calm and resolute, ordered a course that would bring his flagship within striking distance of the enemy. The men on the Hood worked with focused determination, loading and firing their guns, each salvo aimed to cripple the German dreadnoughts. But on the Bismarck, Captain Lindemann and his crew were not idle. They responded with a devastating barrage of their own. The Bismarck's guns, some of the largest afloat, roared as they unleashed a hail of high-explosive shells towards the British ships. The battle quickly turned into a deadly dance of maneuvering and countermaneuvering, each side attempting to gain an advantage. The Hood and the Prince of Wales pounded the German ships with all they had while the Bismarck and Prince Eugen retaliated with equal ferocity. Then, a mere ten minutes into the battle, disaster struck. A shell from the Bismarck, its trajectory perfect, hit the hood. The impact was near the ship's main ammunition magazines. In an instant, the mighty hood was engulfed in a tremendous explosion. A column of fire and smoke shot into the sky, followed by a thunderous roar that echoed across the strait. The shockwave from the explosion rocked the nearby Prince of Wales. The hood, once the embodiment of British naval power, was torn apart. The stern rose into the air, and then the ship broke in two. In a matter of minutes, the hood slipped beneath the waves, taking with it all but three of its crew of over 1,400 men. The rapidity and totality of the hood's destruction left the men on the Prince of Wales and the German ships stunned. This was not just a blow to the Royal Navy, but also to the morale of the British people. The hood, the symbol of British naval might, had been lost. Yet, even in this moment of horror, the remaining British ship didn't falter. Captain Leach, commanding the Prince of Wales, stood steadfast. With the hood gone, the full weight of the battle fell on his shoulders. He had no choice but to fight on, facing the German dreadnoughts that had just demonstrated their lethal power. With the hood's shocking demise still echoing through the frigid air, 
the HMS Prince of Wales found herself alone against the German juggernauts. Captain John Leach, a seasoned naval officer with steely resolve, steeled himself for the task ahead. The Prince of Wales was a state-of-the-art battleship, but she was up against the seasoned crew of the Bismarck and the swift Prince Eugen. Leach didn't hesitate. He ordered his ship into action, steering her in a wide arc to bring all his guns to bear. The Prince of Wales shuddered as her cannons roared, releasing a broadside that sent massive shells streaking towards the Bismarck. The German battleship, having demonstrated its lethal power against the hood, was not unscathed. The opening salvos of the battle had taken a toll, and she bore visible scars from the Prince of Wales's onslaught. Still, under Lindemann's command, the Bismarck was far from beaten. Responding with her own barrage, the North Atlantic shivered with the intensity of her return fire. This engagement turned into a test of wills and tactics between Leach and Lindemann. The two captains maneuvered their ships like dancers in a macabre ballet, each trying to gain an advantage while avoiding the deadly hail of the other's gunfire. The Prince of Wales, despite being outnumbered, was not outgunned. Her ten 14-inch guns kept up a relentless barrage, scoring several hits on the Bismarck and damaging her fuel tanks. Leach's defiance was not in vain. His determined resistance and the damage inflicted on the Bismarck had a significant impact. Concerned about the damage to their flagship and the risk of further British reinforcements, the German high command ordered Bismarck and Prinz Eugen to disengage. As the German ships retreated, the battered but unbowed Prince of Wales held her ground, her crew watching as the silhouettes of the enemy ships receded into the fog. It was a temporary reprieve in a confrontation that was far from over. The Battle of the Denmark Strait had ended, but the hunt for the Bismarck was just beginning. Chapter 4 Why the Giants Fell In the annals of naval warfare, few ships have garnered the reputation that the Bismarck did. As Germany's largest battleship, the Bismarck was a testament to the prowess of German naval engineering. At 251 meters long with a displacement of over 50,000 tons when fully loaded, the ship was a behemoth. But the Bismarck was not just large, she was designed with a singular purpose to dominate the seas. Captain Ernst Lindemann, a seasoned naval officer, had been entrusted with the command of this fearsome weapon. As he walked the deck of the Bismarck, he was aware of the might beneath his feet. The ship's primary armament consisted of eight 38 centimeters guns and four twin turrets, capable of hurling a shell over 36 kilometers. These guns had demonstrated their lethal efficacy during the Battle of the Denmark Strait, sinking the HMS Hood with a few well-placed shots. However, the Bismarck's firepower was not limited to these main guns. She also boasted a variety of secondary armaments, including 12 15cm guns, 16 10.5cm anti-aircraft guns, and a host of smaller caliber weapons. This diverse arsenal allowed the Bismarck to engage a variety of targets, from enemy battleships to incoming aircraft. Yet, it wasn't only the Bismarck's guns that made her formidable, her armor was equally impressive. The ship's hull was protected by a belt of armor up to 320 millimeters thick, designed to absorb the impact of incoming shells. 
Additionally, her main turrets and conning tower were encased in armor up to 360 millimeters thick. This protective shell made the Bismarck a tough nut to crack, capable of weathering an onslaught of enemy fire. The Bismarck, in essence, was a floating fortress. Her combination of firepower and armor made her a daunting adversary. Even the most seasoned of naval commanders would think twice before engaging her. The fact that she managed to escape the Denmark Strait after a punishing encounter with the Royal Navy only added to her menacing reputation. As the fog of battle cleared, one thing was clear, the Bismarck was not a ship to be underestimated. HMS Hood, known affectionately as the Mighty Hood, was a source of national pride for Britain. Launched in 1918, she was the largest battlecruiser in the world and had spent the interwar years as the shining jewel of the Royal Navy. Yet, beneath her imposing exterior lay vulnerabilities that would be cruelly exposed in the Battle of the Denmark Strait. The Hood's original design was based on World War I-era battlecruiser principles. These principles favored speed and firepower over armor protection, particularly for the decks. As Vice Admiral Lancelot Holland, a veteran naval officer, took command of the Hood, he was well aware of these trade-offs. The Hood was swift and carried an impressive armament of eight 15-inch guns that could hurl shells over the horizon. Yet, her deck armor was relatively thin compared to the newer battleships of the era. It was designed to protect against shells falling at a steep angle, common in the short-range naval engagements of World War I. However, in the long-range duels of World War II, where shells often came in at a lower angle, this protection was less effective. These design compromises were known to the Royal Navy, and there had been plans to upgrade the Hood's armor. But with the outbreak of the war and the pressures of operational commitments, these upgrades had been postponed. This combination of factors resulted in the Hood's tragic demise. The fatal shot from the Bismarck most likely fell at a relatively low angle, penetrated the Hood's thin deck armor, and ignited one of the ship's main ammunition magazines. The catastrophic explosion that followed was a direct consequence of this vulnerability. The loss of the Hood was a tragic wake-up call for the Royal Navy. The world of naval warfare had evolved, and what had once been the crown jewel of the fleet had been laid low due to antiquated design principles. The legacy of the Hood served as a stark reminder of the rapid pace of change in naval technology and the deadly cost of failing to keep up. The Battle of the Denmark Strait was not just a clash of steel behemoths, it was also a test of the men commanding them. Two admirals, Britain's Lancelot Holland and Germany's Gunther Luchens, found themselves at the center of this critical engagement, each tasked with making decisions under extreme pressure that would change the course of the battle. Lancelot Holland was a seasoned officer with a storied career in the Royal Navy. The Denmark Strait marked one of his most significant challenges. As the German ships emerged from the mist, he had to quickly evaluate the situation, decide on his course of action, and issue orders to a fleet under his command. His decisions were rapid and decisive, engaging the enemy as soon as they were sighted and directing his ships to split their fire, the hood focusing on Bismarck and Prince of Wales on Prince Eugen. However, a fateful decision would come to haunt the engagement. 
Holland had planned for his ships to approach the Germans head-on before turning to allow their rear turrets to fire. This maneuver, though tactically sound, had the unintended consequence of temporarily reducing the firepower of his fleet, leaving the hood vulnerable to the Bismarck's superior guns. On the German side, Admiral Gunther Luchens had his own pressures to contend with. He was an experienced officer with a cautious nature, well aware of the risks of the operation. His decisions throughout the battle reflected a keen understanding of the strategic situation. Luchens knew the value of his fleet to the German war effort and took measured steps to protect his ships, even at the cost of potential victory. When the British fleet was sighted, Luchens ordered his ships to engage. Yet, he was cautious, opting to retreat when the hood was sunk and the Prince of Wales showed resilience. Despite pressure from his more aggressive officers, including Captain Ernst Lindemann of Bismarck, Luchens stood firm, understanding the importance of preserving his fleet over achieving a more decisive victory. The Battle of the Denmark Strait was ultimately a crucible for both admirals. Their decisions under pressure shaped the battle's outcome and highlighted the critical role of leadership in naval warfare. Whether it was Holland's aggressive tactics or Luchens's caution, each played a decisive role in one of World War II's most significant naval encounters. Chapter 5 Aftermath, Ripples of a Battle With the end of the battle in the Denmark Strait, the Bismarck had asserted its might, but the war was far from over. The Bismarck was damaged, leaking fuel, and its location known to the Royal Navy. The once hunter was now the hunted, and the ensuing chase would become a thrilling chapter in the annals of naval warfare. Admiral Gunther Luchens, on board the Bismarck, faced a daunting task. He had to maneuver his damaged ship back to the relative safety of occupied France, navigating through waters swarming with enemy vessels. It was a dangerous game of cat and mouse, where the stakes were survival. Meanwhile, the British were relentless. Admiral John Tovey, commander-in-chief of the home fleet, was charged with the responsibility of hunting down and destroying the Bismarck. The British Navy, stung by the loss of the hood and eager for retribution, mobilized an armada of battleships, cruisers, and aircraft carriers, leaving no stone unturned in their pursuit. The Bismarck's fate was eventually sealed not by the imposing battleships of the Royal Navy but by relatively small and often overlooked swordfish biplane torpedo bombers from the aircraft carrier HMS Ark Royal. In a daring attack, these aircraft scored a critical hit that jammed the Bismarck's rudder, leaving her unable to steer effectively. Unable to escape, the Bismarck was finally cornered by the British fleet. Despite putting up a fierce resistance, the superior numbers and firepower of the British proved too much. On the morning of May 27, 1941, the Bismarck was sent to the bottom of the Atlantic by torpedoes from the cruiser HMS Dorsetshire, ending the perilous journey of one of the most formidable battleships in naval history. The Bismarck's flight and eventual destruction marked a significant shift in the naval war. Not only was it a significant tactical victory for the British, but it also served as a moral victory, avenging the loss of the hood. The sinking of the Bismarck reinforced the strategic importance of naval power in the war and underscored the evolving nature of naval warfare, where air power was becoming increasingly critical.
the Battle of the Denmark Strait and the subsequent hunt for the Bismarck had profound implications for the British naval strategy during World War II. The loss of the Hood was a significant blow, and it triggered a deep introspection within the British Naval Command about its strategic approach, ship design, and operational doctrines. Admiral John Tovey, leading the charge to hunt down the Bismarck, had to grapple with the strategic implications of the new realities of naval warfare. The devastating hit on the Hood and the resilience of the Bismarck had laid bare the inadequacies of the Royal Navy's traditional reliance on battleships and battlecruisers. The emerging truth was that air power, long-range submarines, and improved naval artillery were fundamentally altering the dynamics of sea warfare. One of the key lessons for the Royal Navy was the recognition of the importance of carrier-based aircraft in naval engagements. The critical damage inflicted on the Bismarck by the swordfish biplanes from HMS Ark Royal underscored the evolving importance of air power in naval warfare. This led to a shift in British naval strategy towards a greater emphasis on aircraft carriers, a shift that would play a crucial role in the later stages of the war. The battle also led to a reassessment of ship design within the Royal Navy. The vulnerability of the Hood, with its outdated design, prompted the Navy to expedite the upgrading of armor and firepower in its existing fleet and to incorporate these lessons into new ship designs. Finally, the battle also emphasized the importance of signals intelligence. The successful tracking and eventual destruction of the Bismarck were largely due to the effective use of signal interceptions and cryptographic analysis. This served to reinforce the importance of signals intelligence in naval operations, leading to enhanced investment and focus in this critical area. The Battle of the Denmark Strait thus served as a turning point in the British naval strategy. It triggered a strategic rethink that influenced not just the direction of World War II, but also the nature of naval warfare in the decades that followed. The Battle of the Denmark Strait, while a localized naval engagement, had profound implications on the wider context of World War II. In addition to its influence on British naval strategy, it affected the morale of both warring factions, marked a shift in naval warfare, and impacted the strategic decisions made by the Allies and Axis powers. On the morale front, the sinking of the Hood, a symbol of British naval power, was a devastating blow to the British public. Yet, the subsequent hunting and sinking of the Bismarck turned this desolation into a significant moral victory. It showed that the Royal Navy could strike back effectively, boosting the morale of not just the Navy, but the British public as a whole during a critical phase of the war. In Germany, the sinking of the Bismarck had a demoralizing effect. The Bismarck was a symbol of Nazi Germany's naval might and its loss, coming shortly after the successful launch of Operation Barbarossa, the invasion of the Soviet Union, was a significant setback. It curtailed plans for further surface raids into the Atlantic and forced the Kriegsmarine, the German Navy, to rely more heavily on its U-boat fleet for the remainder of the war. The battle also marked a significant turning point in the conduct of naval warfare. It highlighted the deadly efficiency of air power in naval conflicts, with the Bismarck's fate being sealed by biplane torpedo bombers. This, in turn, 
influenced both Axis and Allied powers to invest more heavily in aircraft carriers and aerial technology, leading to a shift in naval power dynamics that would play a decisive role in battles to come, such as the Battle of Midway. Furthermore, the battle affected strategic decisions made by both sides. For the British, it reinforced the importance of protecting the Atlantic convoys, their lifeline to the United States and the wider empire. It underscored the significance of maintaining naval superiority, leading to increased emphasis on building and protecting aircraft carriers, improving ship designs, and refining naval tactics. For the Germans, the loss of the Bismarck led to a re-evaluation of their strategy in the Atlantic. Surface raiders were deemed too risky and costly, leading to a greater reliance on U-boat warfare. This, in turn, led to the intensification of the Battle of the Atlantic, a critical theater in World War II. In essence, the Battle of the Denmark Strait, while just a brief chapter in the larger narrative of World War II, had a profound and far-reaching influence on the course of the war. Chapter 6, Legacy of the Denmark Strait In the annals of naval history, the Battle of the Denmark Strait occupies a place of honor. It is a tale of dueling giants, daring tactics, and the changing face of warfare. It is a story that combines heroism and tragedy, strategic ingenuity and tactical blunders, technological advancement and stubborn obsolescence. The battle was a duel between the pride of the Royal Navy, HMS Hood, and the symbol of Nazi Germany's naval might, the Bismarck. The destruction of the Hood, with only three survivors, remains one of the most poignant episodes of World War II. The image of the mighty ship exploding and sinking has been etched into the public consciousness, a stark reminder of the unpredictability and devastation of war. On the other side, the story of the Bismarck, a ship seemingly invincible yet doomed by a combination of relentless pursuit, cutting-edge technology, and a twist of fate, captured the imagination of people around the world. The relentless pursuit of the Bismarck, despite its impressive armor and formidable firepower, has come to symbolize the resolve of the Allies during the darkest hours of the war. The battle also served as a catalyst for the transformation of naval warfare. The effectiveness of air power, as demonstrated by the torpedo planes from HMS Ark Royal, signaled the beginning of the end for battleships and the rise of the aircraft carrier as the dominant force in naval warfare. This shift, which would become more apparent in later battles, was first highlighted in the Battle of the Denmark Strait. The battle is remembered in popular culture as well. It has been the subject of numerous books, films, and songs. The most famous is probably Sink the Bismarck, a song by Johnny Horton that became a hit in both the United States and the United Kingdom. The Battle of the Denmark Strait, therefore, continues to echo in history. It serves as a vivid testament to the courage of sailors, the relentless march of technology, and the changing nature of warfare. It is a story that remains as relevant today as it was over eight decades ago. The Battle of the Denmark Strait, while renowned for its epic confrontation, also served as a crucible of change, a battlefield that underscored the need for innovation in naval warfare. It provided the naval powers of World War II with lessons that would shape their strategies and tactics for the remainder of the conflict and beyond.
one significant lesson was the growing importance of air power in naval battles. The final blow to the Bismarck, dealt not by a ship but by obsolete biplane torpedo bombers from the aircraft carrier HMS Ark Royal, highlighted the potential of air assets in neutralizing even the most formidable of battleships. This lesson was not lost on the world's navies. The future of naval warfare would increasingly depend on carriers and their aircraft, a fact underlined in subsequent battles in the Pacific theater. The battle also underlined the importance of accurate intelligence and efficient communication. Miscommunication and failure to accurately relay the Bismarck's position played a role in allowing the German ship to initially escape. Improved communication systems and coordination became a focus for navies, emphasizing the need for precise, real-time information. Additionally, the vulnerability of the hood, despite its reputation and imposing presence, underscored the necessity of keeping pace with advances in naval design and technology. The catastrophic explosion that sank the hood highlighted deficiencies in its armor protection, especially over the magazines. The loss of the hood led the Royal Navy and other navies worldwide to reevaluate their ship designs, leading to improvements in armor layout, compartmentalization, and damage control measures. Moreover, the battle demonstrated the importance of well-trained and prepared crews. The Bismarck's crew skillfully repaired damage from the initial battle, enabling it to elude its pursuers for several days. Meanwhile, the Prince of Wales, a new ship with an inexperienced crew, suffered technical problems with its main armament, affecting its effectiveness during the battle. In sum, the Battle of the Denmark Strait served as a catalyst for change. It was a stark demonstration that naval warfare was evolving, necessitating shifts in tactics, advancements in technology, and an unwavering focus on the training and welfare of the crew. These lessons, born from the crucible of conflict, continue to resonate in naval strategy and design even today. In the aftermath of the Battle of the Denmark Strait, amidst the strategic implications and lessons learned, the sacrifice of those who served must never be forgotten. Across the United Kingdom and Germany, a series of monuments and memorials stand today as solemn reminders of the bravery, courage, and loss associated with this epic naval encounter. In the heart of London, near the Tower of London, the HMS Hood Memorial stands tall. A tribute to the largest British warship lost in World War II and the 1,415 men who perished with her. The monument is an imposing bronze figure of a sailor, standing resolute and brave, against the backdrop of the mighty hood etched in relief on a granite slab. It serves as a somber reminder of the ship that once was a symbol of the Royal Navy's might and the men who sailed with her into the annals of history. There is also a memorial at the Royal Naval Museum in Portsmouth, where a scale model of the hood is on display. The model is surrounded by photos and personal effects of the crew members, adding a human touch to the ship's story. It provides an intimate connection between the visitors and those who served aboard the ill-fated battlecruiser. In Germany, the Maritime Memorial in Le Beau, near Kiel, honors the sailors of the German Navy including those who served on the Bismarck. The towering monument, originally erected in the 1930s, now serves as a memorial for all seafarers who lost their lives at sea, irrespective of their nationality.
Close by, a museum houses a detailed model of the Bismarck, providing a glimpse into the ship that once struck terror into the hearts of the Allies. Remembrance also extends beyond physical monuments. The annual memorial service at St. Inch Church in Portsmouth and the Hood Chapel in Church of St. John the Baptist in Boldray, Hampshire, ensure the story of the Hood and her crew lives on. And so, while the Battle of the Denmark Strait is etched into naval history as a crucial turning point in warfare, the memorials and monuments serve a dual purpose. They stand as a testament to the brave souls who sailed into battle, a reminder of the human cost of war, and a promise that their sacrifice will not be forgotten.